Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. This show is radio's answer to culinary conversation and inspiration. I'm all about the culture of food and living the best life. And so we celebrate food and its ability to feed the soul every week on this show. And I have no intention of stopping anytime soon. I've spent the last 25 years blessed to share my passion on television. And lately I've been thinking about my life as a chef. Being a chef has taught me a lot about people and cultures. It's given me the dramatic and very humbling position to cook for and love and care for people in many different settings. It teaches me to respect the planet and all of its ingredients, and I continue to thrive on discovery, to take on challenges, to find poetry in the culinary moments, because I believe that the art is in the details. And so allow me to take a moment to thank you for listening. I hope that you'll tell a friend so that this show can continue to make its way across the country and around the world so that we can all come together at the table and rejoice. If you happen to have missed a show, you can always find my podcasts on iTunes under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. I am always serving up seconds on the web at chefjamie.com and on social, you'll find my daily dish, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen because it is my goal to satiate your appetite. Now, let me set the table for you today because we have grand guests in your radio and we are going to make it come alive with flavor. I am beyond elated to tell you that when I say we have big names on this show, I mean it. Bioengineer turned Miller, farmer, and baker, Emma Zimmerman, is here. She is the Miller's daughter, of course. I will tell you that her new book release is all a buzz. And yes, she is at the helm of a flower company called Hayden Flower Mills that gets lots of crazy, fabulous attention. But she is deeply rooted in the soul of the land. And wait till you hear her wax poetic. Also, we're going to bring some insight to your health before the end of the hour, so you won't want to touch your dial, because Lisa Lynn, our resident fitness and health expert, is back, and we're talking about collagen. Have you been putting the powdered form in your morning protein drink? Well, me too. Just you wait. Until you hear and learn and realize what Lisa Lynn uh, just... <laughs> literally a few days ago, enlightened me too. And that is your powdered collagen does very little. There is newer and better on the horizon. So stay tuned. We are talking about the benefits of collagen before the end of the hour. But first, because it's summer and I'm a girl at the grill and we're celebrating smoke and sizzle, this is grilling central over the past few weeks. And I believe that you can grind your way to a better burger. Yes, 
I do think that summer is synonymous with burgers, right? And I like to kick off this show with a tutorial of sorts, a a lesson, a, a culinary education that will make you the best cook you know. So close your eyes and think of the best hamburger you've ever had. It was in a restaurant, right? Okay, let's fix that, shall we? Do you want to make the best burgers to grill like a culinary boss this summer? Well, then you're going to need to grind your own beef. It's really super simple. It's very personal. You choose your own blend. You make this mouth-watering, drip-down-your-chin burger of excellence at a summer barbecue, and you will be a culinary hero for the remainder of this summer and next summer too. So the grilling guru that is Meathead Goldwyn, you know him, He actually wrote a soliloquy on the science of hamburgers years ago. It's a great read. And every summer I find myself reading it again because it's great reminders of how to build a better burger. And the mindset is is that if you want a top quality burger, you really can't buy pre-ground beef in a package. You can shortcut, by the way, though. You can ask the butcher in your gourmet grocery store or at a butcher shop to blend and grind for you. But you can also do it at home pretty easily. So let me take you back to my most vivid and delectable burger experience. And I've had many since, by the way. And I post about them on social once again at Chef Jamie Gwen because I just had a brilliant burger at Populaire, this new restaurant at South Coast Plaza, the shopping mecca near where I live in sunny paradise. But my best burger memory was at Mineta Tavern in Soho in New York City. Uh, where my mom vied for a reservation months in advance. We had heard about their Black Label burger. It turned out to be everything we anticipated. You needed two hands and 18 napkins, and the toasty, charry, beefy scent that wafted to your nose as the burger was escorted to your table is something I will never forget. The patty had this mahogany skin. The bun was wet with juice, It was crunchy on the exterior, and I use that word intentionally. Your teeth pierced it, and then these warm, salty juices flowed over your tongue, and it was deep prime steak flavor. And the bun was warm and buttery, and the condiments amped up the experience, and it was succulent. It really was, and you were like licking burger juice off of your wrist. I mean, it was that good. So... If I haven't enticed you enough to build a better burger, I don't know what else to say. Here are the secrets to grind your way to a better burger. For the best flavor, the meat that you use for grinding shouldn't be too lean. So I like to combine chuck and sirloin, and I like to add a bit of fat. Uh, It could be bacon, and it most often is because I love the flavor, but you can add fat as you see fit. You can actually buy beef fat or pork fat from the butcher's counter. And the key here is no matter what kind of blend you opt for, you want to make sure that the mix has a relatively high fat content because that's where the juiciness and the flavor comes from for your burger. Now for a luscious burger, you go 70% meat, 30% fat. Now brisket or hanger, hanger steak or short rib, those add flavor. So if you really want a brilliant burger, you grind it yourself with a mix of all of the above. And Mineta Tavern's burger is actually dry-aged steak with short rib and brisket, and then they have a couple secrets supposedly up their sleeve that they won't disclose. 
Now, by the way, you can go for choice grade beef when you're building a burger, not the more expensive prime. Um, I don't think the fabulously expensive Kobe or even Wagyu is necessary here. Expensive cuts are dear because they have more fat between the muscles than choice beef, but you can add fat to ground beef. So if I'm going to have a really great steak, I'm going to have it in steak form. If I'm going to have a really brilliant burger, it's going to be juicy, messy, and delicious, and it can be choice. Now, the method of grinding your own meat, I do using the grinder attachment on my KitchenAid mixer. I think it works best. You can use your food processor as well, but you want to pulse, not blend for better texture. And then let me know how your grind turns out. Please email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. I have an outrageous double cheeseburger with oven roasted tomatoes and roasted garlic mayo, by the way, posted at chefjamie.com should you need a little more inspiration. All right. Now I've made myself hungry, which by the way, is always the goal. All right. A quick mention of food news this week because fair food is starting again. I can very happily, comfortably, satisfyingly admit to you that I do not go to my local fair for a carnival game. Um, I'm there for the food, plain and simple. And food has seriously leveled up at the fair. No matter where you live, your state fair, that food, it's gotten better over the years. No doubt, right? Fried avocado and the turkey leg got bigger and... Oh, we've had butter everything. But fair food this year is supposedly going to impress. As we amp up for fair season, wait till you taste this sweet meats savory bite that is supposed to be introduced across the country at many fairs. And that is cotton candy wrapped bacon. Okay, game changer. Count me in. Now, if you don't happen to get to the fair, don't worry. I'm working on a recipe and I'll be posting it on social at Chef Jamie Gwen. Stay tuned. (laughs) And please don't touch your dial because there is more stimulating culinary conversation coming up. I am so excited. Yes, she's here. Emma Zimmerman, a rock star in the food community, Miller, farmer, baker. She's dishing and you won't want to miss it. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Be right back. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. When I say we have the greatest culinary thinkers on this show, I say it with humility and uh, an ounce of pride. And I will tell you, in 20 years of radio, I don't think I have many times been more excited than I am right now to share this next glorious guest with you. Bioengineer turned Miller, farmer, and baker Emma Zimmerman renounces the dominion of all-purpose white flour. Big statement, right? In the same breath, she makes brilliant connections between flavor and farming and the fight against climate change through diverse, beautiful, remarkable grains. You see, she is the Miller's daughter. 
And this profound, extraordinary, beautiful title just made its way to a cookbook and storybook that you must read. It is so much more than a cookbook. It is a phenomenal tale of hard work and perseverance and research and more hard work and above all, passion. The Miller's Daughter, I Forecast, is the next James Beard award-winning cookbook. And let me tell you, Emma deserves the accolade. And I am sure that the New York Times is getting their book award ready for her right now. And I can't tell you how honored I am for Emma to grace this show. The Miller's Daughter is a cookbook at the forefront of America's heritage grain movement with glorious recipes and candid stories that celebrate community and agriculture, sustainability, and the place of grains at every table. And I want her to tell you her story and for all of us to learn. The soulful and passionate and talented Emma Zimmerman, the author, is here to share it. And Emma, what an honor. Congratulations. Honestly, I, I couldn't lift my eyes from the pages of your book. Thank you. And, and deservedly so. Um, this is quite a story from your uh, <laughs> Google-loving dad to <laughs> your almost-a-monk husband to family dinners that you remember growing up in Arizona and that which brought you back. Could you give us... The, the the shorthand version, maybe? I, I want everyone to know about you. I feel like I should hand the show over to you, Emma, and you just, you just take it away. Yeah, now I feel like I have to explain all those stories that you mentioned. <laughs> you sort of <laughs> do. I found them compelling. Yeah, I really like storytelling, so it was really fun to tell our own story. Um, hmm. You know, early on, we won this Martha Stewart Award um, for our mill. And so we got a lot of media attention and a lot of people, um, journalists, writing our story. And I always, that kind of made me want to, like, write from my perspective, like, um, instead of, of telling it to someone else, like, getting to say, like, this is how I experienced it. Um, yes. And with a little bit of humor, too, um, I hope that people can laugh a little bit, too, when they read the book. Um, I did. As well as. Yeah, <laughs> I did. No, you have a wit and a whimsy about you. And I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it. And I'm not sure I did. So everyone should know you are Hayden Flower Mills. And Hayden Flower Mills has a story in and of itself that you've brought back to life in, in, um, in an actual building form. And that, that's part of your story. But today, for those that know and love Hayden Flower Mills, this is the, the backstory behind... Uh, a passion project. So it's kind of a unique book in that it is it pairs with our company. Um, tried to make it more universal, so it's not just for our product specifically, but for the heritage grain revival. You know that's happening across the country and another. There's um, mills in the UK and Australia mentioned as well. Um, yes, the Hayden Flower Mills is the business that my dad and I run together and have for the past 10 years. So the cookbook that tells that story, it tells my personal story of growing up, you know, kind of in that process of running the business, and then tells the, the difference between industrial commodity grains and then, you know, the grains that we grow in stone mill. Um, so there's kind of a few layers to the book, and then, mm. of course, the recipes. 
Yes, of course. And there are so many layers to your story. Um, They weave in uh, other greats like you are today, yourself, um, like the Chris Biancos of the world, of Pizza Bianco, who gave you a small space um, after you had to take the trunk off the car to get the mill in, right? To to transport (laughs) it. I've read the book. Um, and, And all those opportunities you were given to change the world. I don't mean to make it sound overly exaggerated, but what I found most fascinating at the start of the book was not only your story, but the fact that you very much believe and are spreading the gospel, rather, that preserving grain diversity can save the planet in some ways. I tell a story in the book about how there was this... um Big article is actually on AOL.com, like back when that was a huge Gosh, yes. news website. And it was like, picture my dad, and it was like, this man, this man from Tempe, Arizona, says he can, like, feed the world. <laughs> and it was like a great clickbait headline. Um, and so I kind of tell the story of how that was, like, misconstrued, but that there was some essence of truth in that, that, um, you know, rather than going after these um, modern grains that have big yields and need a lot of inputs and chemicals, like going back to these heritage grains that need less input and water and are adapted for our climate and, um, you know, that that can also do good for our our soil and our world too. It's not going to be these huge, you know, um, yields that are meant to like provide for a globalized industrialized food system, but kind of looking at maybe what we've lost in going to a globalized, industrialized food system and um, what could be gained by stepping back to stone milling and localized food systems and feeding our community. Um, yeah, so it's, a, it's kind of hard to explain the subtle difference there, which is why I had to write a book. <laughs> yes, of course. And we, we are all yeah. gl- very glad you did. Um, speaking of saving grains... You, and you don't take credit for it per se, but you saved White Sonora, did you not? Right, yeah. So we are part of kind of a, a yeah, bigger movement yes. um, for that green in particular. Um, but yeah, now that it's fun because that green, White Sonora wheat, is a little more well-known. Known. It's not, you know, mainstream yet, but bigger mills grow it and mill it now. Um, so that's really exciting to see that... Um, that grain, like to play a part in bringing that grain back um, to our plate. Yeah, quite extraordinary. I would like, um, as you wittily say on each bag flap of your flower, to take a moment to smell the fresh flowers, F-L-O-U-R-S. Emma, if you could please take a quick pause there. We're digging deep into grains with the Miller's daughter. Emma Zimmerman is here. And there is so much more to dish on right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Don't go away.
we're back and we're dishing on The Miller's Daughter, a cookbook at the forefront of America's heritage grain movement. Emma Zimmerman is here, a bioengineer turned Miller farmer and baker, making waves in the culinary world. And I am over the moon, Emma, that uh, you're sharing your passion. So thank you. I love that the book is broken down by grain and the recipes that then apply um, to that beautiful texture and flavor and aroma and and the wonderfully insightful, innovative things that you do with it. Uh, but I, I'd like to talk flowers first. And at the start of the book, um, you you do teach us and take the time for us to get to know our flowers. Um, because even though you, you can readily get... Uh, all-purpose flower substitutes in the grocery store today, albeit not all of them are Hayden flour mills. Um, But chickpea flour and the nut flours and so on have become more well-known. Some of yours are are still very heritage-based. And so you produce chickpea flour and white Sonora wheat berries, right? Tell us about purple barley flour and, uh, and red fife and rye, which is definitely on the rise. Yeah, so I'm counting on my readers to have some creativity um, if they can't find the exact, you know, flower. But, um, yeah, so purple barley is the one you asked about. And I love this green. It's Hmm. um, Barley, I think, is kind of a unpopular green. Yes. (laughs) So um, purple barley is much kind of a sexier version of, <laughs> you know, barley. So it's, it's like this very deeply purple Gorgeous. Grain. Yes. And, yeah, the field is, like, lavender. It's just so pretty. Mm. And, of course, like, you know, really um, purple, you know, like blueberries, say, like those yeah. uh, dark red purple foods, you know, have a lot of antioxidants in them, so it's a great mm. um, thing to add to your diet, as well as just being a whole grain. Yes. But it's just so much fun to mm. use in your cooking, and that chapter was just, it came so easily, because mm. it just blends itself to being creative, right? Like, what can I turn purple? Right, of course. The <laughs> um, vibrancy, yeah. the, the eye-catching ability, in first and foremost, in and of itself, is get captivating yeah color on your plate is always just more appetizing and it's um yeah brings another uh layer of nutrition and there's a recipe for a barley ginger barley cordial and it's the purple barley Mm. with ginger and honey and Mm. lemon um and it's like it's really vibrant so lovely yeah it's just so beautiful and it's actually really delicious i'm (laughs) sure I'm sure. I, I would like to get to the recipes. I alluded to rye because we're seeing rye everywhere. Um, mm. Rye flour being blended with other flours in sweets. Rye flour being used for savory. The comeback of the rye bread. Uh, there, there's something special about rye, isn't there? I've seen rye in so many more cookbooks um, in, in the last few years, which is so exciting. Yeah, and I mean, you're you're a cookbook a reader. You speak about the first cookbook you ever held. Yes, it's, I love cookbooks. It's so fabulous. Much. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. Like I, I'm, I think that's why it was. I loved writing this cookbook, and you know, the whole project was so enjoyable. But I think it is because it's, it's like a genre that I consume a lot of, mm-hmm. um, and so it's just so fun to like have 
if you get to have like a voice in, in the mix of, you know, um, the cookbook world. Um, yeah. yeah so now I, you belong in that group. Emma, you do. And by the way, if you've just tuned in, you're late. Emma Zimmerman is here. The book just released a, a glorious education of what is most meaningful to her and her family. The entrepreneurial spirit that started or, or brought back Hayden Flour Mill and the most extraordinary story of passion and talent and knowledge and perseverance and uh, a very underlying and intentional goal of making a difference. The book is called The Miller's Daughter, and it is stories and recipes from Hayden Flour Mills. Um, we, know, we know there's rye recipes in the book, but just mention, if before I get to the recipes, if you would, Emma, you talk about hydration at the start of the cooking notes in the book, and I thought it was really fascinating from a culinary perspective to understand that many of the doughs, as you say in the book, have high hydration rates. Mm -hmm. And that's because the grains are dry and thirsty, right? One needs to be conscious of the fact that we're not cooking rice here. It's, it's not an equal portion, two to one, you know, it's, it's not always that, uh, that proportional kind of yeah. method. Baking is very scientific and recipes, you know, you test them multiple times. But then I think, oh, what if they get their flour, you know, and they live back east and they're, you know, this reader's in a very moist, humid climate and their flour's a little more hydrated. So I, I really try to kind of give those visual clues, um, the freedom to, to like, uh, adapt mm -hmm. your recipes as you need and kind of talk to your local miller and find out how, you know, they're growing things and maybe what the um, conditions, the moisture of their green is. Um, are, yeah, growing out in Arizona where we're located, we get very dry, deserty crops. So our, yeah, our flowers thirstier. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's a little bit of a, you know, scary thing about writing this book. Like, it's not going to be exactly scientific because artisan products change, but that's what makes them so delicious and so different from you know our very monotonous yes. industrial yes food system that is how yes. we got to industrial white <laughs> flour is because we wanted it to be consistent and perfectly white and shelf stable forever and ever and ever but so i think that's we don't a, want that <laughs> no we don't want that i think that's a beautiful lesson that you know the more in touch you are with your food and knowledgeable or insightful or asking questions the better the finished dish is and Exactly to what you just said, a testament to that. The first page I marked to make is your any grain egg pasta dough. Because you say it's more of a math equation than a recipe, right? You can choose what grain you like, but you will, alongside, look at that beautiful little girl, uh, you will make beautiful pasta. Now, I think we should start at the end because life is uncertain. And chickpea chocolate chip cookies should come first, for sure. I loved reading. Yeah. This is the only recipe in the book you made 20 times, but not because you had to. I think this is going to be just that, like, the recipe that ends up being, like, the favorite from yes. the book for yeah. everyone. Um, yeah. It's kind of intriguing to make chocolate chip cookies with chickpea flour. So strange, but mm. they work, and they taste so good, and it's, like, kind mm. of like a peanut butter cookie, mm. but a little more grown up. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, so it's been really fun. 
to see a few people already making that recipe, kind of picking it. You know, you just never know what people flipping through the book are going to bookmark to to try out. Um, but that seems to be one of the favorites so far. Um, and I do, I make those a lot. I always have some uh, dough in the freezer, actually, because those are just, you know, good ones to... Good to bake up by. on a whim. Yes, of course. Your salty, seedy granola made me realize that I need to think outside the box when it comes to my granola and start incorporating more texture and other grains and flavor. And I loved that. Yeah. Yeah, that one. And it, yeah, it's a little saltier, mm. which yes. is kind of a fun, fun twist on it too. And I want to make the overnight oat bake because I think my son will love that. Yeah, a lot of the recipes are, uh, uh, you know, approved by my, by my children. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and isn't that wonderful? Your grape focaccia, um, which is right, by the way, sits alongside um, the Za'atar cracker sticks. And I love the story of your now husband um, bringing you back on a trip um, when he was um, living in Lebanon, right? And this mm-hmm. this um, newfound love for za'atar. I love za'atar. And yes. the idea that you can do something so powerful with one spice. Those are a great appetizer, too. I, I, I mean, it's funny how often I end up cooking from my book. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, I, I never that. thought that would happen. But. We will continue to try your flowers. In The Miller's Daughter, Emma Zimmerman shares her stories And she teaches you how grains can and should be used to elevate everyday meals. This is the true captivating story of a flour mill restarted, of near extinct grains rescued, and a whole host of just beautiful nourishing dishes. And please go to HaydenFlourMills.com and learn more so that you can find uh, Hayden Flour Mills really distinctly beautiful flowers in your area and so that you can read this just absolutely beautiful book. Emma, what a pleasure. Thank you for sharing your passion. Thank you so much for having me. Continued success to you and your dad and your family. As the delicious conversation continues, there is lots more fabulous food in your radio right after this. I'm going back to reading. I'm on page 141 of this book. Oh my gosh, I love it. (laughs) We'll be right back. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, Feeding Your Soul. Are you wondering about the collagen craze? Is it just a phase or does it really work? Liquid collagen is a form of collagen supplement. It's believed to help improve skin elasticity and muscle mass and prevent signs of aging. Collagen, of course, is the naturally occurring protein in your body. It holds tissues together, supports structure of skin and bones and muscles, right? But as we age, I don't know about you, but I am, (laughs) our bodies start producing less collagen. So let's make sense of it all, shall we? 
Lisa Lynn to the rescue. Lisa is the founder of Lynn Fit Nutrition, the author of the award-winning The Metabolism Solution. She created the Wall Street Journal bestseller, The Metabolic Boosting Weight Loss System. She regularly appears with Dr. Oz to share her workouts and insight, and she is our resident fitness expert here. I am also so proud to call her my dear friend. Hi, Lise. How are you? Hello. <laughs> are you working out on the bike as we speak? I just finished, believe it or yeah, not. Yeah, good for you, making me look bad. I have been doing arm presses on my uh, office chair, just FYI. Um, I, I curse girl. your name every time. Not a girl. But, but you also do a lot of cooking, which yeah. um, makes your arms more tired than most people realize. Yeah, but it's working, So, and I love that. Yes. Um, but yes. As you know, I believe in supplements, and we've talked about them a lot over the years, but this collagen craze is no doubt growing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So give us some insight, please. It's actually one of the number one which shocked me as a sports nutritionist and clinical nutritionist. I always suggested collagen, hyaluronic acid, glucosamine for the joints. Uh, Full disclosure at the expense of sounding blonde, it didn't occur to me that people didn't understand the crossover, that that was also the same thing that they're marketing now for hair, skin, and nail. Oh, uh, no. So I, I a big, big thing had to pay, you know, take a lot of time explaining to people that um, not only is it good for your hair, skin, and nail, sure. which I need it at 50-something, but it also helps protect your joints. Yeah, see, I think that what's not known is that there are internal benefits as well. I mean, we've seen it as a cosmetic solution, but it goes so much deeper. So who should use collagen and are there those that shouldn't is the first and foremost, most important question. The first thing is everybody that's over 40, if you're not using it already, should absolutely be. But here's the problem, because just about everybody can benefit in today's stress-filled world. That's really wreaking havoc on our digestive systems and guts, meaning things just aren't healing. And I hate to admit this, but even I, because of the stress being so high and the lack of sleep and the changes in aging, see all kinds of changes happening with my body. Mm -hmm. Fatigue, even though I slept, you know, I'm 50 something. So my skin is like, be careful or it'll drop. I see that. Um, Healing delayed, joints popping and creaking and stiffness and hurting more than usual, even though I'm on a very good regime but my needs actually grew and increased. So it's more important than ever before for just about everybody, including a teenage athlete. The problem is as we age and we need it more, our bodies can't digest and absorb it. Okay, so that's the next question, but I have to go back and tell you. I mean, you named all the things that you feel. I'm getting older. We all are. I lift a very strong, smart toddler up off the floor. I'm in my 40s. I feel it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter whether you're in your teens or your 80s. There is a benefit to feeding your body good things. From my perspective, food. From your perspective, supplements to better yourself and, and food and fitness and all those good things. So now go back, if you would. Um... What should we take? How do you take it? When do you take it for the best results? That's a really good point you bring up with the food because there's a lot of people, and I have a few hecklers on social media, full disclosure, just eat healthy. I really wish it was that easy. To be honest, Hmm. I'm very conservative. If your body doesn't need it, if it's not broken, don't fix it. 
because I was always athletic and taught and, and like you, lifted kids, I'm physical, like garden, I um, lift weights, train clients with their bodies. I kind of run my reserves a little faster, like a car that's driven more, so right. I always took it. Um, but there's never any one thing, not just supplements. You can't just eat a good diet. You can't just supplement. The best boost is when you put the two together and they support each other. I love that you mm-hmm. are continually dedicated to helping us get in the best shape of our lives. And I am ever grateful that you have spent so many years continuing to educate us on this show. So thank you, my friend. Thank you. Physically, physically, mentally, and spiritually, she is one of the most whole women I know. For more than 30 years, Lisa has devoted her career to personal training, metabolic weight loss, performance, nutrition, Uh, For people across the country, big celebrity names and little ones like me sharing body-changing exercises and insights. So please read Lisa's blog at linfit.com. Check out her products because they come from the most reputable medical source. You will find liquid collagen there, but educate yourself. This was an inspiring conversation to learn more, to feed your soul. And uh, I hope that you enjoyed it. Lise, I loved it. And I can't wait to have you back on next month. It's always my pleasure. Have a great day. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. I hope that it fed your soul, that you were inspired, that you learned something new, and that you're heading to the kitchen to cook right about now. And I'll leave you with my last bite Having said that, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration for the hour. I'm working on a peach parfait for the summer. In fact, I'm going to show it uh, on the grill coming up on KTLA Channel 5 in Southern California. But until then, here's the shortcut version because this last bite is usually a recipe with three, four, or five ingredients. Get your hands on some fresh, sweet, Start of the summer peaches and quickly saute them with a little bit of brown sugar and a generous pinch of salt. Then crush graham crackers over the top with a dollop of whipped cream or even Greek yogurt and you have a super simple peach parfait for dessert. Oh yeah, that sounds like summer in the making. I'll post this simple easy recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. And then I'll share that grilled version with you so you can up your game. But I'll also meet you here next weekend when I guarantee there is lots more to chew on in your radio. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off and I hope you continue to eat well. (laughs) 